Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Hello there and welcome to another episode of An Irish Man Running Abroad with me, Jonathan Regan, and Irish running legend, Sonia O'Sullivan. Well, the January health kick is well and truly in effect. If you're listening to this, you're probably having that experience. And I will tell you what, I have spent the guts of two decades doing the right things for the first week of January, telling myself I need a break in the second week, trying to get back on the horse during the fourth week, only to find that the horse is bolted. This is all to say that this is not my first rodeo, Sonia. I'm a bit scared, to be totally honest, because I've fallen off the fitness horse so many times that it's now my routine. Uh, and I know other people have been in touch with the show about having this same experience that once they, they can't break that habit of falling off and not being able to get back on. Well, last week on the show, we looked at resetting the goals so that you can conquer the January blues before they arrive. I really think that the rock on which I perish in January every year is the food, is the intake, is telling myself I'm going to be so, I'm going to be so healthy. And then just not being able, not actually having the know-how to do that, not having the money to buy the right things, not having the time or skill to do it. Tell me, Sonia, that I'm not wrong here. Tell me that this is actually a difficult thing and that uh, it's normal enough to struggle with it. it. It is really normal and it's it's very common. And the thing is, I think people often they set the bar too high, you know, and they put a lot of pressure on themselves to be too good and you know, nearly unachievable goals that, you know, by Monday they've given up. hundred <laughs> so percent. I think you need to, or, or maybe you've given up the next day and you say, oh, I'll start on Monday. That was another one this week because of the way the New Year's fell a little bit. And um, it's funny, I was reading a thing this afternoon. It was quite, I just remembered this now. I got myself a new diary as I do every year. And it's always something a little bit different. Now, this one is, this year's one is very extreme. It's, um, I don't know if you've ever come across Francis Brennan. Yeah. Yeah. Know him well. Yeah, so, the park and mare. We know Francis is a, is a pal of ours. <laughs> Go ahead. So he has this diary out this year. And it just happened to be when I was still in Ireland in October this year. And the diaries were already out. And um, I think he was on... The late late show doing an interview or something and you know you get um i suppose attracted to these things when you mm. see the person you know sharing their diary and it's called the homekeeper's diary so as well as having space to write down 
all your daily things that you want to do and the things that you want to take off your list. There's all these kind of fun little, just little stories and notes and interesting things <laughs> written, you know, along the way. And the first few pages, there was way too much information. So I had to skip all that. <laughs> so now that I started writing in the diary, I can read the little piece of information every day, which makes it a bit of a fun diary. And one of the things in here today was to make your resolutions. You need to be, it says you need to be realistic that, um, you know, people, they just set their self with these new projects and they've great enthusiasm, you know, they're going to do this and they're going to do that and change, you know, everything. But it's not always realistic. And so I thought this was real interesting. So a friend of his once said to him, you need to make your resolutions bite-sized and doable, not a pie in the sky. Yeah. I mean, that like there's a lot in that, right? Because while, while, let me get in here real quick. I'll let you continue. But the interpretation of bite size means to a lot of people, stop, stop getting notions about yourself. Stop thinking you can you can do something mad. But really, the bite size resolution is one that you can sustain rather than one that is, you know, some somewhere else. It's a resolution that is doable on a daily basis, right? And that that is the thing is, you know, to have it, I suppose, sustainable and achievable and something that you actually enjoy doing. And then the other thing is to not just kind of be giving up everything, but to also have some nice resolutions where you kind of give yourself a treat or you give yourself something nice to do. And it's not like you're giving up all these nice things, but you also get to do nice things, you know, along the way and maybe do things that, you know, you've always kind of said, oh, I'd love to do that or go to this place, but never really done it. So I think sometimes you just need to make the effort to go somewhere different. Like we can all get into our daily routines of doing the same thing day in, day out, because it's easy to do that. And it's hard sometimes to get up an hour earlier to go somewhere different. But often if you do that, you just, you know, you you appreciate it so much more and you kind of think, well, what, why did I not come here before? <laughs> you know, why did I keep putting this off? And, you know, these are like things that we need to do when we see nice days. You know, the other thing I was reading this afternoon was about the sunset and the sunrise. And, you know, in Ireland and the UK particularly, that's why January is one of those really hard months, because the sun doesn't rise until, you know, well after eight o'clock in the morning, like 8.40 in the morning. And then it's setting at four o'clock in the afternoon. So that's only, you know, a third of the 24 hours in the day is daylight. So no wonder people, you know, can feel a bit down and, you know, disheartened, you know, when the days are so short that I think you really have to take advantage of the daylight hours and particularly on the weekends, I think, to get out there and to, you know, don't let the, the days get away from you and, you know, sleeping in and getting up at 12 and then you've only got, you know, uh, what, a, 
four hours at a day and actually one sixth of the day. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I mean, a short. Window. I mean, before we came on here, I mentioned to you this uh, book that I'm reading or listening to on my runs, uh, Born to Run, which is kind of you know the most basic book to read uh, as a runner. It's a number one bestseller on Amazon and Audible about this Tara Umaru tribe that are a long distance running tribe. And at the center of it is seems to be, you know, a joy and exuberance and appreciation and a gratefulness for life. But, it, you know, it, it is part of what you're saying there is, is kind of accepting and cherishing what you have. And in a time when so many people are struggling, it is sometimes very hard to get out of our own way here. And I fully take on board what you're saying about the resolution and particularly in relation to food. If you can tilt, if I've been able to tilt my view in some way, it's what I'm taking from what you're saying, to viewing the healthier eating as actually taking something up rather than giving something up because saying I'm not going to have that is a lot harder than I'm going to treat myself to a really healthy dinner at the end of every day. It just mentally that's that's a little bit easier to do. Am I interpreting it right? Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, people think that healthy is is difficult and it's not nice you know it's like as if healthy is a sacrifice mm. but it really doesn't have to be like that and you know there's lots of things that you can do and I suppose you kind of bring new foods and new kind of ways of having food into your life that maybe you didn't realize were there before maybe we can probably go through a few of those tonight I mean the thing is with food when you're looking at it you know it can be energy fuel and then taste and you know you need to include all those things and you know I definitely enjoy my food and I you know I, I think I eat fairly healthy and I know when I eat really healthy that I feel really good and you go out for a run actually on went out New Year's Eve we went to a friend's house and we had this great dinner and the next day I felt fantastic I couldn't believe it <laughs> <laughs> maybe I need to eat a bit more. <laughs> yeah, but it is a it, it it is a it is a difficult shift to to do because I think we're surrounded by a lot of media and output that is geared towards telling people that this is hard and that I think that it's safe to say that the industry around getting people to try to be healthy in January is a billion dollar industry. It actually is worth more to a lot of these places that are, uh, whether it's Weight Watchers or what's that, Noom or just gym memberships, they benefit from you falling off the horse and treating it as a really difficult thing. If they didn't, they'd adjust the model. But each and every January, it's pitched the exact same way. You're going to make a big sacrifice this January. And I know for look, I, I'm talking about this from first hand experience on you. I know that sometimes when I talk about this stuff, it must seem like a, a foreign planet to you because you've just been healthy your whole life. You've never gone through what guys like me have gone through, which is massive weight fluctuation, periods where, like I said at the start of this, not 
being able to run for more than, you know, two kilometers. It's massively disheartening and it, it really does contribute to the January blues and the mental health aspect of this and the reason why Jigsaw.ie are our chosen charity partner because just ignoring those things and just going, burying it in the old traditional Irish way of don't mention that, no, don't, don't even let that thought into your head is a rubbish way of dealing with it because you kind of have to acknowledge that I'm surrounded by mixed messaging on this. But the clarity of what you're saying here is part of the success of this podcast and this project that we're on, that just be very clear with yourself that you're doing something positive. You're gaining rather than giving up, not to labor this point, but that's it, right? Yeah, you have to reward yourself. I mean, you you know, you've been really disciplined the past few months in, you know, the running side of things and, you know, everything that you've achieved in that, that, you know, you when you started, you probably thought that was going to be really difficult. And I think that's the key is to be disciplined in what you do. And that doesn't mean you have to be super hard on yourself. It just means that you have to be fairly regimented and routine and structured in what you do and you know I think I wasn't always structured and routine and regimented and everything I think it kind of grew on me over time and you know the more you learn you're always adding these little things in that you think work for you and that's the thing is to find what works for you and what you believe is good for you and that you're happy with things that will keep you content and you believe that you're on the the good side of, you know, doing enough to, I suppose, not feel like you're indulging and you're kind of holding yourself back a little bit in normal times. And then you allow yourself to have those kind of fun days, you know, when, when the time comes, if you're celebrating something, you've got to have, you know, events and things to look forward to as well. Um, that you look forward, to, you look forward to it much more, I suppose, if you manage your input and your output. And, you know, it's like you're driving a car and you're just being very efficient with yourself. Mm. And you see the fuel that you put in and the energy that that gives you and the output and, and how good you feel. Well, that's that's been the big change, my side anyway, that that I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago was the view of petrol in, you know, just viewing it as petrol uh, and trying to put in the high grade petrol as opposed to the, the low grade spicy stuff that might, you know, flame up in the fire and give you a nice uh, a nice buzz of a flame there. But really, the, the stuff that's going to burn l- long and provide the most heat. Not to pursue that analogy too far, but I, I did make that that shift. Now, part of that for me was just going, uh, adhering to what you were saying there about discipline, that when people think of self-care, they think pizza night and bridesmaids on the telly. But to view discipline and routine as self-care, that this is me actually looking after myself, through routine was a shift that took place and probably helped me to where we are right now. All that being said, Sonia, we do need to get to some concrete food advice here. 
most of our listeners aren't an island. They're operating and attempting to do their training in the context of a family or let's just say flatmates, a bubble at the moment. And you can't be imposing your routine or self-care, no matter what your views on petrol and fire and flames are on people around you. Right. And this this again is a problem that a lot of people have raised in their emails to us. We had an avalanche of emails after last uh, episode about January because this is a this is a challenge is to try and create meals that aren't bland, that will appeal to the whole family or group that you're in, bubble that you're in, while still doing all the things you just mentioned. Let's start out with one meal that you think is a kind of a go to uh, meal that will hit all those bases and please all those people. OK, well, I suppose there's lots of different things because <laughs> it depends where you're starting here now. Like I would always prefer to run in the morning because then I feel like you bit more freedom in what you can eat throughout the day. Because if you run late in the day, which I did today, which is a bit odd, then what you eat is you're a bit more restricted in what you can eat because you can't eat that much before you go for a run. And there's certain things that will probably go better than others when you go for a run. Sure, yeah, <laughs> you, know, you don't so want to be lugging around have, a big heavy meal in your stomach as you run. Yeah, like no kind of soupy things or anything like that. So it's always easier in the morning. So I suppose we'll have to talk like everybody's running in the morning for now, for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I suppose and the other thing is that you run in the evening, but you run before you have your dinner. Like I'm amazed at anybody who turns up to training and they've already had their dinner, <laughs> even if training is at seven o'clock at night. <laughs> like, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, there's I some people possibly. have that constitution, though. I, I really puzzle over that as well. So so when I run in the morning, so I have this thing and I've heard other people mention this before as well. And it's like when you get up in the morning, you have it's called a pre breakfast. So it's not a full on breakfast. So you just have something before you head out the door. And that's something for me is I'll have a coffee, a drink of water, or a bit of squeezed lemon juice in hot water and a bit of cereal. Now, I actually make my own muesli these days because I just prefer it. And how you know, hard is that? It's really simple. Like it is so simple. And once you do it, then it's very hard to go back to the shop stuff. And every now and then I buy the shop stuff because, you know, I forgot to bring the muesli with me if I'm going somewhere or I've just run out and I haven't had time, you know, and then I'm always trying to find one that will be good. But it's so simple to make. You just get oats and I just put a little bit of honey and coconut oil in a bowl in the oven and you melt it. And then you throw your oats in and you mix them all around and then you bit of cinnamon and salt and then you put them out spread them all out on the tray and into the oven for 10 minutes. I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but because the 10 minutes is key, you have to set the timer because if you forget, they burn very quickly. Mm. No, we haven't discussed this before, but I think you mentioned that this was your pre-breakfast routine. So we're not even on breakfast. This is this. This is the muesli that you will just have a handful of before you leave for the run. Yeah. So then and then you add in lots of different things, whatever you like, you know, like nuts after the or, 10 minutes thing. 
Yes, yeah, so you take it out then and you leave that to cool off. But then you need to have your jar that you're going to put it into. And then you add in some nuts and dried fruit and maybe some seeds, pumpkin seeds or sunflower seeds. And you can toast them. If you toast them in the oven for a few minutes, they make them nice and crunchy as well. Nice. So, okay. But this can all... It, it takes a very short amount of time. It's very, and, it, and it makes the house smell lovely, when you, especially when you put the cinnamon on it. It's gorgeous. It's also a really simple start, right, to kind of telling yourself, well, I've done something healthy today. Now, we will get to uh, the snack issue because the snack issue to me is, <laughs> is, 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 is the key. And if you can snap that habit of going for the celebrations and the roses, even though all the good roses are gone now, then you're kind of on the pig's back. But this as a as a starting point will keep the, like that would surely keep you full for a good length of time, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it should. The oats are kind of long lasting or what do they call them? Slow release carbohydrates. So that should get you going. So I'll have this about, you know, anything an hour or to half an hour before I go out and I just have a, a small little bowl of it with my coffee and no milk or anything. You can if you want, but I don't. And, you know, I don't make it every morning. It's in a jar and then it lasts me for about 10 days or so. And then I go again. So that's just to get started in the morning. And now I did this on Sunday. So the 2nd of January I was heading out for a run and I had to go for a long run. And it was the, it was absolutely belting down rain. So it wasn't the most inviting day to get out there. And I had Winnie, the dog, coming for a run with me and she wasn't looking like she wanted to go out either. <laughs> <laughs> and then we eventually headed out. And I was thinking, you know, you're kind of thinking of all the things you'd rather be doing for the first few minutes. And then you warm up and you kind of think, oh, this is not too bad. It's actually quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> and. Then, you know, while you're out there, you start thinking about what you might have for your breakfast when you come back and you're hoping that you have things in the fridge that you won't have to go to the shop <laughs> when you get back in. So, you know, after a long run of, you know, 90 minutes, then that's when you need a big breakfast when you come back. So for me, I love, I, I'm a bit, I like a bit of sweet, a bit of savory. And so I will often just go with some fruit, uh, yogurt, and a, a bit of cereal on top as well, some more cereal, just to kind of, I suppose, the quick refuel when I come back in. And then once I've had that after a, after a couple of hours, I'm nearly ready for something else. So it's kind of like the extended brunch, mm. um, particularly on the weekend, you know. Well, the so pattern then, I'm then, seeing there, Sonia, is that and what I from what I gain from your posts is that you're much more of a grazer than uh, a big stock up, fill the engine person. Is that correct? Definitely throughout the day. Yeah. I mean, I would, I, I mean, you know, you often hear people say that you should eat more in the early part of the day and then less as the day goes on. But I suppose for most people, traditionally, dinner is in the evening time. So that's when you have the time to sit down and everybody is home who's around the place. So, yeah, I would definitely graze throughout the day. And after the fruit and yogurt, you know, then I'd move on to the kind of one of my favorite things to do. This is great. And you can do this if you're on the run, if you're out and about, is you get these um, little sheets of prosciutto. You know, you can, oh, you can yeah. buy them in the supermarket or 
you can go to the deli and they're actually better if you get them to slice them freshly from the deli. Prosciutto or um, I don't name the Spanish one is better, I think. I always try and go for, anyway, if I'm in the deli, I always go for the one that looks like it's got less fat on it because some of them can have a lot of fat on mm. and um so whichever one looks better i'll go for so i put this out on a plate and then you get a slice of cheese you know now you can buy all sorts of cheese in slices like the um Jarlsberg. you might like that one <laughs> <laughs> this is our first That's pun the of the series there <laughs> The bit of Jarlsberg cheese, You know, that's okay. one of the strangest cheeses. It sure is. If, you, if you're in the supermarket and you see Jarlsberg cheese, you pick it up and read, like, where it's made, where it's produced, and where it's packaged. It's like, it tastes good, but it goes around the world, especially the ones that arrive in Australia. So these are, so you, this kind of dried meats and cheeses is, is just a snack, essentially. Yeah, it's a snack, but it can also be a kind of a lunchtime snack, you know, it can, I don't know, it, it kind of fuels you up, you know, instead of going down the route of toast, I think, this can actually oh, give toast, you more energy. Sonny, don't don't um, tell me you're not, we're not allowed toast. <laughs> to, like, I, I read a couple of things last <laughs> night that were like, runners should avoid white bread and brown bread. And I was like, what bread's left? Banana bread? <laughs> like, you can't take bread away <laughs> we from get me. to that. Yeah, I mean, but there, there is a there, there is one I dug a little bit deeper, an awful lot of theory on why runners need to avoid bread and that it is essentially a gateway snack. And I would have to go along with that because before you know it, you've got a wad of butter on it or Nutella. And you're convincing yourself there's protein in Nutella. <laughs> and it's all because of the dastardly slice of toast, which is so good in, in a bleak January. Where do you stand on the toast question? The toast. Yeah, there's a time and a place for toast, I think. There's a funny story about toast. When I came back from being away this year for about four or five months. So Winnie, the dog, um, <laughs> She was after she was after growing and getting big. Oh wow! And I was like, "Oh my god, she's huge!" <laughs> <laughs> and so, apparently, the reason for her growth was she'd been having bits of toast <laughs> every morning. <laughs> so Nick was making toast, and then he, you know, I'm making it for the dogs as much as for myself. I'm like, so then when I went to the vet and I said, "I think it's the toast she's been having in the morning." And he said, OK, take out the toast. <laughs> Dogs don't eat toast. <laughs> Sorry to break it in. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I suppose it, in the winter, it's very tempting to have the dog sitting there and give him a little piece of your toast. And he's so them. appreciative of it. That's the he's other thing. He's not good for them if you, if you want to. They, they give you oh, this yeah, they big love you happy <laughs> head after they get it. I remember I had an incident on a, in a farm shop out in Mead where they had said, don't feed the dog because it's it's got a very small stomach and like the dog was the cutest dog you've ever seen in your life. And I include all of my former dogs in this. He was the cutest dog I've ever seen. And I said to Tina, 
if they don't want us feeding the dog, keep the dog away. Because if your dog is cute, I will feed it because I want that dog to like me. (laughs) (laughs) And sure enough, I gave the dog a little bit of bacon. And the owner came running over and bollocked me out of it in front of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I wasn't even giving him toast, Sonia. I was giving him meat. So, so when you say there's a time and a place for toast, do you mean that kind of post run? You, it's not a bad. That's not a bad one to go for. Oh yeah. No, I mean I think you know when you're really hungry and you really need to fuel up. You know, there's nothing better than a doorstop piece of toast with some poached eggs and spinach and avocado and tomato and mushroom. The works, you know. And I think, you know, if you do it yourself at home, then you have the choice of the bread that you use to make the toast. So, you know, there's so many different breads out there these days. And we've, we all probably tried this sourdough thing throughout the year yeah, at what's some point the obsession with that I don't, I don't understand the sourdough thing it, like it just it feels to me like just stale bread uh, <laughs> I don't understand why there, this is the kind of hipster <laughs> bread now that we're all meant to like when it's just just chewy well, it's as hell things, <laughs> well it's it's really chewy if, chewy if you make it yourself <laughs> if you yeah. get it from the bakery it's probably a bit better but I, I went through the phase myself in Cove this summer. And the big thing about making sourdough yourself at home is that, you know, when you're at home a lot, then you have the time to do it. And, you know, it's it's nearly like having a plant. You get to talk to it every day and to feed it. You feed the sourdough every day oh, <laughs> until it's ready I have no, to be formed into bread. I have no clue. I, I wouldn't <laughs> even know. We'd need a separate podcast to to go into this. We'd need a Bake Off style running abroad podcast about because that sounds like that's a that's a mammoth task. And that sounds like the kind that of is thing ma- that is a huge task. It's much like it's much easier to make your own muesli or granola hmm. than it is to make um sourdough sourdough is a huge commitment so yeah no we shouldn't even go down right. that well route. let's get into but the I think snacks then if you're going to yeah, have go ahead i think if you're going to have if you're going to have toast then you have to make it good toast and i think you know we can all go down to shop and buy a sliced pan or a cheap bread but i think if you're out there and you paying a fair whack for some good bread then you're going to slice it up you know and you're not going to get through it very quickly. You're going to savor it and, you know, make it last a few days. And so then the toast comes into its own when it's, you know, lasting a few days. Yeah. Well, it's 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 all very tricky now. Let's be honest. And I, I, I long for the days and I cannot wait for the day when we don't have to qualify every sentence with under the circumstances or in the current situation. But we are in a very peculiar current situation where lots of our listeners will be going oh, that's all very well and good heading down the bakery to get an old fresh uh, loaf but lots of us including myself simply don't have access to that and are are looking and maybe listening to this podcast going just give me some stuff that I can I can go kind of hang my hat on this week that if I'm 
eating that rather than the stuff I was eating through the 12 days of Christmas, I'm at least doing something good. Now, we have the muesli. The muesli is great. I've written down the full recipe and that'll be available on strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman Abroad. If people want to give that a go, I'll be doing that this week. We now have a recommendation on what toast to go for and why toast isn't so bad. Let's talk about the snacks. The You sent me an image of kind of uh, what would you describe those things that you sent me? Because all I know is that in a coffee shop, they charge you £2.50 for each of these little round coconut covered yolks. What are they and how does one go about making one? They look so delicious. Well, they, they I would call them nut balls, but you know, many people call them energy balls or protein balls. Yeah. Um, but before we go there, I just want to finish off with the um, okay. the savoury snack we had before. So yeah. with the prosciutto and the cheese and then a bit of spinach in as well, or spinach and rocket. And then you roll it up and oh. there you have your ready made instant snack. It's fantastic. Oh, OK. I'm sorry for cutting you off on that. I thought that that no, was just okay. a recommendation to, you know, pick up some of these things. I didn't realise that it... It fully, you MacGyver yourself a kind of a wrap made out of, did you say rocket? So prosciutto so on the, the outside. That's on the, the outside, cheese. right. Yeah, and then you put a slice of cheese on top. And it's got to be that, fle- it's one of those flexible cheeses that you can roll up some spinach and rocket. And then if you want to get really exotic, you can put a date into the middle of it. And then when you roll it up, and you can heat it in the pan for oh about Lord. 30 seconds each side. And that is. Oh. <laughs> what are, and what are we? <laughs> you went quiet there. <laughs> yeah, that is. Oh. <laughs> well, let's, that's really I'll, good. Enough. I'll write that down. We'll we'll make that available in the group as well, because that little yeah. I don't know what we'll call that. We'll give that a, a fun name. But that yeah, sounds... Yeah, you have to put a name for it. Yeah, and that I sounds... I say it's like... one of my favourite snacks, you know. When I'm on the run, I'm always, you know, if I'm out and about and you have to, you know, if you, if you need to stop and buy something, you know, if you're driving or something and, you know, you just don't have time to mm. go to a cafe and you need something that you can make quickly on the go. That's what I would that, do. Right, well, that's... On the aeroplane sometimes. When we get to going back on aeroplanes, even... Well, uh, later in the show, we're going to have uh, an email from one listener who is having a really tricky time with their running experience. And as I say, the mailbag is always open here at Irishman Running Abroad. We love hearing from you and we'd be delighted to get your experiences and your questions, whatever they may be about running. And this email that we received this week is quite unusual and we'll get to that at the end of this because we still have a bit to get through. Let's talk about Sonia's nut balls and how one goes about making those and then we'll get to maybe your recommended batch cook. Now, batch cooking is something Tina is opposed to but we I, I, I love the idea of it just from a convenience point of view but again with the, the reason why I reference the batch cooking is that spinach rocket prosciutto Charlesburg cheese uh, wrap thing you could make multiple ones of them right and then refrigerate them and have them throughout the week oh yeah yeah you could is the same true yeah, of the nut balls or will they just go out a date after a day um, no the nut balls they can last quite a bit in the fridge 
and they actually became they become stronger in the fridge because they they harden up so they last a bit longer so the nut balls so the one i have made that i sent you a picture of before is it's one of a you know there's there's many different types that you can make of these and once you get confidence making them then you just tend to throw in whatever you have that will taste good do i need um, a crazy so these blender ones, to make this possible uh you do Okay. Now, that's the thing. I actually went and bought a food processor to do this a few years ago because I was so into them. And I had a small kind of food processor thing and it was just about doing it, but it wasn't great. And then I thought, no, I've got to do it because I really do like these. And they, they can last. Oh, they last a good week in the fridge, you know, so well, you're saving I, yourself plenty I'm in the cafe. I'm excited to give these a go because I am... I had a slight addiction to those bounce balls for a while. I don't know if you if they if they sell those oh. in Australia, but they are absolutely delicious. They were so nice that I was like, these can't be healthy. There's no way I should be eating these. <laughs> but the reason why my eyes lit up when I saw the ones you sent was because they didn't look a million miles away from them. Give us the basics of what goes in and if there's a trick to making these at all, because essentially it is mushing a bunch of stuff into a ball, right? Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, it's just smushing everything up and like making baby food, really, um, but with nuts. <laughs> so um, the, the key is to having all your ingredients ready. And so sometimes I'll get the ingredients out at night time if I don't have time to do it in the evening, get them out. And then I'll say, right, I'm going to do that in the morning. And so while I'm getting ready to go out, I used to do it when I was getting the girls ready to go to school. I'd be whizzing up the nut balls. And then, so basically what you need for this, they're salted caramel is the name of these ones mm -hmm. um, because they kind of come out like a salted caramel thing. And now they are probably a bit sweet for some people and they're probably high energy. So, you know, you don't want to eat too many of them. So, you know, even though they're homemade and they're healthy and they're made of good stuff, you still have to kind of be aware that you just because you made them yourself doesn't mean that you know you can have 10 of them in <laughs> yeah, one yeah. go <laughs> yeah sit down and eat them like milk tray yeah <laughs> <laughs> right so we need some I, I i've written this down here in a neat little thing so we can take a picture and post it up later on with the exact measurements and everything because it's probably it's a good idea when you're starting to make things like this to get the balance of the measurements right as you go on you can probably you know be a little bit more guesswork and you get a feel for it but to start off with you need to you know get the balance right okay so cashews cashew nuts and these are raw not roasted yeah and cashew butter um dates now anything i ever see they recommend that you use medjool dates have you heard of these uh no I've never bought dates in my life. The total <laughs> the truth be told. Go ahead. <laughs> you could have said any word there. You could have said Toyota Corolla dates. I would have been like, yes, Sonia. <laughs> never had a need for a bag of dates at well, any point ones, until now. These ones are the Rolls Royce of dates, I think. <laughs> They're very good, but you have to take the stone out before you use them. A tablespoon of maple syrup. Lovely. Uh, vanilla extract and a bit of sea salt. And you need the desiccated coconut. 
to roll them in so that they don't all stick together. And that's the main reason to have the coconut is so that when you roll them and put them all in the little container that they don't all stick together. So basically you mix up all these ingredients in the food processor. You whiz it up for about 30 seconds until it looks like breadcrumbs. And then you take the blade out so you don't cut your fingers, which I have done in the past. And you shape them into golf ball size shape about. Not, I don't think you need to be any bigger than a golf ball. You can make them smaller if you like, but that's probably about a two bite size for most people to have a golf ball. And then as you roll them, what I normally do is I get my container that I'm going to store them in and I put the coconut in the bottom of it and I roll them up and then I drop them in and then I shake them around um, until they're coated in the coconut. And then I throw them into the fridge and they actually, they definitely taste much better out of the fridge. You know, Sonny, there is something about this, right, as you describe it, like I am heading down just as with the whole project here, heading down a path that I've never gone on. Right. And I feel like as you describe that and I picture myself doing it, that there is a, a part of this that you're more likely to eat well if you have made it yourself. Right. That if I remember somebody saying to me that, like, yeah, you're allowed treats on this diet. You just have to have baked them yourself. Now, I'm not sure about the the wisdom of that, because, you know, we could all get really good at making chocolate eclairs in that case. But when it's a, a healthy treat that you've made for yourself, I think there is a savoring to it, even if it is just these prosciutto wraps or the cereal, there is a certain component to what we're describing today, which is DIY at home, that sense of achievement that I made that and that will encourage you to stay on track in January. Does does that make sense? Well, I- yeah, I mean, I think you've, it's exactly right, because what happens is when you make them yourself, they generally will taste much better. And if you go back then to like your bounce balls that you buy in, you know, they're very convenient. And um, I, I've had lots of variations of these because, you know, we all we all find ourselves in a situation where we need something quick and then you're looking for the most healthy looking thing around. But oftentimes in the ones that you buy in the shop, they taste good, but there'll be some kind of a aftertaste or preservative or there's something in it that you kind of think, you know, don't quite like that. And you never get that with your own ones. And, and the big thing. When you make these yourself is that the nuts have to be fresh. They can't be old because I don't know if you've ever had old nuts. Gross. Absolutely <laughs> gross. Uh, yeah. Nothing yeah, worse. So like just because stale, you know, often, the staleness of them, it's, it actually yeah, does no, feel like wood. There's like a kind of rancid, it's a bad taste, like the oil or something in them is not good. And, you know, so it's not a good idea to use old nuts, you know, just because you're processing them up. But I think definitely to go for the fresh nuts and um, know, you know, that they're they're in, in, in date or not, not expired. I'm starting to feel that um, we're not going to get to this to this big batch dinner that uh, I, I've been hoping you to just describe. But really, when <laughs> when when I get to this and when we get to this point, I mean, 
Dinner time is when the train goes off the track, right? Here's how it tends to happen for a normal human being like myself, Sonia. You have a great day of eating. Like, let's say I've done all this stuff or in previous years, I've probably undereaten during the day. And this is the real danger of this, that you go, I'm going to be so good. Then by five o'clock, you're like, well, there's still frozen chips in the freezer and they're technically not that bad. And I've had such like there's so much rationalization that goes on that once you hit six o'clock, you go, I deserve a decent big meal now, considering I've been starving myself all day long. If you can in some way give us some sort of a meal that we could spread out across the week, I think that if we put up a different one during this four week period in the group and on Patreon, it would help people a huge amount. What would that meal be this week if you if you have it there? Um, well, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head there, you know, talking about not eating enough throughout the day. And that's something I've been very conscious of, you know, in recent years more so is having a good lunch. And it doesn't mean having a huge big lunch, but just having, you know, decent vegetables cooked, something cooked so that you can balance your energy throughout the day and you don't get to five and six o'clock absolutely starving and, you know, can't wait to have the dinner and you know, so you can't have a small amount of the big dinner. So we can have the big dinner, but if you have a small amount of it, then you might have some left over and then you don't need to cook lunch tomorrow. So you can hold it on till then. So I think, you know, the something that really works for me, and particularly in the winter time, this is great. And, you know, I was I was definitely in this frame of mind today because it was a bit chilly here today and relatively and <laughs> don't do this again you, you, listeners you have no idea how many messages i get from sonia going oh it's only it's only 21 degrees here today like fully rubbing it in irish style person living in australia how cold is it there today bearing in mind sonia it's minus three degrees where i am right now i don't know i don't think it went i don't think it got up to 20 today so that, oh you poor thing you know, it was like it was seriously like a bad irish summer's day today it wasn't very nice. Um, it definitely was a day where I would consider making soup. And that's, I think, you know, soup is not just soup like we knew it when we were growing up and a cup of soup. But these days, you can make a meal out of soup. And I've done this, particularly in, in Australia in the wintertime when it gets a bit chilly. And you really need something warm at lunchtime. And I'd have two or three different soups going on at one time because I'd get sick of one and then I'd need to make another one and I'd freeze one and, you know, save it. And these are things that you can do and they're just so healthy and so nutritious and so warming and so filling that I think everybody should be looking at making homemade soups. And so like there's one place I've go to recently and You've probably come across the happy pair, have you? Oh, yeah, yeah. The lads have actually been yeah. in touch. Maybe we should have them on. All right. <laughs> well, they have two cook. Well, they have a few cookbooks, but their two original cookbooks have some great soup recipes in there. And they tend to go around the world. Like they have Thai coconut, sweet potato and lemongrass. And then they have the hearty Italian 
and the Irish root vegetable, the chunky Spanish lentil oh <laughs> vegetable. My, my mouth's my watering right now. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite from um, last year was um, the belly hug lentil soup. <laughs> oh, wow. And like it, they just kind of help you to get the right balance of spices and flavors. And, you know, it just doesn't feel like you're having a whole load of, you know, mushed up. And it's not all smooth soup. Often it's chunky soup. So the vegetables are in there in there you know, chopped up state, not all blended. And so you actually do feel like you're having a meal. Yeah, because there, there is going to be people like Tina who go, oh, I don't like chunky soup. I don't like bits in my soup. Like, I, I know, like, I do know people like Tina who are like, oh, I'd need to strain all the chunks out and then I'll eat, <laughs> eat the soup. But really what we're talking about here is nearly a stew essentially right it's a, a yeah so you probably don't even call it a soup but you call it a meal in a, in a bit of soup yeah i suppose <laughs> yeah there has to, we have to come up with a better name for it but i have this book that you've mentioned here if that this happy pair book uh, the latest one that came out and I will reach out to the boys and see if they'll come on for a chat, maybe for... Because I don't think this is a bad idea, Sonia, doing one episode a month around this subject. Because let's face it, we've talked for 53 minutes here and it, it like it's it's flown by and there's still so much to talk about. Uh, it's a massive, massive subject and it's also one that, you know, the entire podcast series could focus upon. So would you be up for that idea of doing a kind of a nutrition episode once a month? Oh, I, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, I love it. And and I think I do. You change as the seasons change as well. And exactly. I think people do eat differently depending on the weather. And it can just like it can influence how you feel and how you think. It can also influence what you eat. And sometimes that can be negatively, you know, and it can, you know, get you a bit bogged down, I think. But I think if you have solutions for different types of weather and different type of seasons, then you have things to look forward to. Absolutely. And changing, you know, and being, being ready for it. And we could kind of get ahead of that in the same way as we did with the last episode about resetting your goals in January, just to get ahead and preempt, anticipate is what I say to Mikey all the time, anticipate the problems and try and come up with your solution prior to the arrival. Most of the problems that we experience with life and running, you can kind of see them on on the horizon before they arrive. The difficulty is, I guess, accepting that these problems are there and they're going to need to be addressed. With that in mind, we received uh, an email from a listener who's asked us not to mention her name because it's a very peculiar and difficult one. That I know I forwarded on to you, Sonia, but uh, she describes running being impossible now for her through injury. She says, I've been running for 15 years. My whole life revolves around it and it's been taken away from me now. And, you know, she without going into every word of detail of this, but she is in a difficult spot just in terms of her own identity and feeling very low and negative about herself as a result of losing this thing that you know we're cherishing across this series and it was she's still listening to the show even though you know injury has robbed her of the 
the activity. But she wondered if there was anything uh, you would be able to say to help her. As she says, she's a little bit desperate for help at this point. Yeah, no, that's a really tough one. When you want to do something and you can't, and it's, I suppose I've been faced with things like that when I've been injured in the past. And then you do sometimes get to a point where you think, you know, can you really keep running? Because you have these aches and pains that just won't go away. And I don't know, maybe there, there must be times when it's impossible and you can't find a way. So, you know, you can't just say, oh, find a way or you need to find something that works. But I think you need to start by finding something that you can do. And, you know, if that's not running, then it has to be some, you have to be able to do something to keep you active. And I think you just have to focus on, you might not like it. Like, I don't particularly like swimming very much, but I know if I work at it that I can be better. And sometimes if I'm stuck in a bit of a rut with running or cycling or whatever, and I decide, okay, no, I've got to get better at swimming. So I'm going to commit to going swimming for a few weeks and getting better. Now, that's probably a tricky one at the moment because I think lots of swimming pools are probably closed. So then maybe it has to be something like, well, what can I do in the like some kind of a gym program. And there's lots of people out there now, you know, the gyms, a lot of gyms are closed, but there's a lot of people online who will help you to develop a gym program that you can do at home and that you can do, you know, you can pinpoint the problems that you have and maybe you can strengthen some of the areas around the problems that maybe at some point you might be able to walk and run. And, you know, even that is something, I think. And so I think you have to look at, you know, what would be the, the smallest thing that you'd be happy with. And I think for someone who, you know, can't run and has an issue running, then I think if they were given a lifeline to do even just a little bit of walking and jogging, that they would take that as a starting point. And, you know, I think it's definitely worth looking into that if that is an option. You know, walking is great, but it can be a bit boring and it's slow. But if you link up with somebody, it can be more interesting. It can be fun. Um, you know, even just going for a walk with the dog can be interesting and listening to podcasts, you know, it, you, you feel like you're going out. And I think that's the big thing, I think, is just being able to get out and to be outside. And so that would mean that, you know, if walking was even limited, that, you know, going outside to do your gym work, you know, finding, you know, a place you can get to the park and do some kind of exercises outdoors and, and just, you know, make it your time that you're going to fill with something. But, you know, it probably needs going to a physio or you know, like a physical train, someone who does train gym training, like a, what do you call it? a personal trainer, someone who, you know, has all these ways of kind of coming up with a program of something that will work for you. Because I know there's people out there and they believe that everybody can do something. And sometimes you just have to find that something. It might not be your number one thing that you want to do, but it might be something that can 
eventually lead you back to doing a little bit of what you want to do. Well, that is that is brilliant advice. And I hope that that is uh, useful to this listener who, again, has asked to remain nameless. I replied to her myself because I, I kind of identified with this a, a little bit because it's it's what I went through when I was told I couldn't play basketball anymore in I was only 20 years old and an injury that just would not. It was a torn labral in both hips and it just prevented me from moving laterally at all without ripping it again. And the pain was excruciating and I was walking around like when I met Tina, I had a limp and I was limping for years. I was walking around with a consistent limp. And uh, uh, for me, Sonia, it was actually like a breakup. I had to remove all reminders of the sport from my life because I had completely pinned my identity to basketball. Uh, All my clothes were basketball clothes. I had to get rid of them and just go cold turkey. Now, I do regret not seeing a therapist about it, physical therapist and counsellor. I think that Jigsaw.ie, our chosen charity partner, as I say, They're saving lives across this Christmas period. People in desperate situations and people in situations where they just can't talk to anybody else about it because it seems silly. And that was the thing. I felt silly for being so upset about throwing a ball in a hoop. I mean, what are we? There's people dying. There's NHS workers right now working around the clock trying to administer vaccines and people dying in their arms. And here you are upset about this silly thing. Well, it's not silly because it's still your world. And if you identify with any of the stuff that we've talked about here, get in touch with someone, get in touch with a professional or just talk to a friend. As Sonia says, you can find the same feeling somewhere else. And the first step towards that is talking to someone. Well, every week I talk to you here on Sonia, it's on here on this ep- on these podcasts, Sonia. Running seems a little bit easier. And this this week was a big week, my longest ever run at 12 kilometers. It seems so tiny to what some of our listeners are running. But for me, it was huge. You said slow down to go faster. And uh, I'm desperately trying to do it. And uh, it feels good. I mean, it actually th- this was the big change for me this week was it felt good not to you know, rinse the towel and just take the 65 minute run on the Sunday and just get home in one piece. (laughs) And I probably was in a bad headspace myself. I probably was viewing this as, oh, if you haven't burned every calorie that you have in your system, you haven't done it at all. It was it was a great piece of advice last week, Sonia. Yeah, I think, you know, that is you do have to sometimes just go out there and, you know, you just kind of allow yourself to be in the moment and put aside everything else that you think you might rather be doing. And, you know, particularly when it is those kind of miserable looking days outside and you kind of think you'd like to do other stuff, but then you kind of think, but, you know, I still would feel so much better if I just go out here for one hour and just move one foot in front of the other, <laughs> plodding along, listening to something nice. And it's always great if you can find something nice to listen to, I think. It can give you something to look forward to. And the other, I suppose, way of doing that is to meet up with somebody and to, 
you know, have a chat while you're going for a run. And then sometimes it does take the pressure or the expectation of the runoff and just the knowing that you need to be out there for an hour before you'd be happy to come home. Well, so before we go, I do need to say that last week I uh, wish someone's wife a happy birthday. And <laughs> uh, I think I made an absolute balls of this, that it was actually Seamus McAteer's wife. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I think I told Bernard slowly that he was married to someone that he isn't. And he was listening to it in the car going, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> anyway, Seamus McAteer, that was meant, that was shout out meant for your wife. This is to tell you, this is my life song. Like it's just one screw up to the next. <laughs> Tina will Tina will open up someday in a tell-all podcast about this about the number of screw-ups I make in the day. It's just a comedy of errors. So Seamus McAteer, I apologise for that, and I will make it up to you in the future. In the meantime, everybody, happy New Year! Have a good week in running. Stay safe. Look after each other. Just be careful out there. Thanks to Brian Connolly for his production, to Tina and Mikey for making it all possible, to Winnie the dog, <laughs> eating her toast right now behind Sonia's back. And thank you, Sonia. Real pleasure as always. Oh, you're welcome. It's great. And Happy New Year to all our fellow runners out there who've been running along with us, you know, the past few weeks and now into the new year that hopefully we can all, you know, grow together and you know enjoy the running throughout the year absolutely sonia take care of yourself and i'll talk to you next monday talk to you monday